Hey listeners, before we get started, I wanted to share with you a brand new podcast that you might be interested in. It's the new Braves Dugout Podcast. This podcast is about all things Atlanta Braves baseball. They talk about roster moves, potential trades, game recaps. Now this may all seem cliche for a sports podcast, but they also include a special segment each week where they talk about controversial topics using only stats and logic and no bias. Controversial topics such as which Braves player should or should not be in the Hall of Fame, why your favorite player may not be as valuable as you think they are, or how certain players you may not like deserve more love. It's the new Braves Dugout Podcast. You can currently catch this podcast. See what I did there? Catch this podcast on Spotify or on Anchor.fm. It's sure to be a hit. There's a brand new show coming to you straight from Hick Flex. Brought to you by the guy who watched the show American Pickers twice on a week comes a brand new show called Celebrity Toothpickers. We follow the hosts, Mo and Lars, as they traverse the globe, finding what they can in Hollywood's mouths. This one time, we found a great specimen of Asparagus. It must have been at least seven days just buried in that cavity. I told you it ain't no Asparagus. It's asparagus. You know, like, I just bowled asparagus, or I got a flat. I'll just use asparagus. You're right. We have so many guest celebrities. How diddly do, neighbor? Is that where the Krabby Patty went? Yeah, but there's a copyright infringement. We cannot complete that catchphrase. Join us every Taco Tuesday at 2:30 for another episode of Celebrity Toothpickers. wonderful episode of the Above Average Show Show. As always, I am your host, Joe. And as always, we have another amazing guest with us. Our guest today has worked on projects such as Mindhunter, Space Command, Money Plane, Doom Patrol, Hawaii Five-0, in other words, Atlanta. And that's just the beginning of the list. And what's even more incredible is that he's worked as an actor, a PA, voiceover actor, a writer, an animator, graphic designer, poster designer, and a website designer in film and TV. Our guest today is Brian McClure. Brian, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Joe. I'm excited because we have a lot to talk about today. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. A lot of new information for me and a lot of new information probably for our guests. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. Happy to share my experiences with everyone. Uh, Let's go ahead and get started with the first question I ask everybody, which is, how did you get started in the film industry? You know, it's um, it's an interesting question, as I never uh, had any plans to be an actor or be in the entertainment industry at all. Um, I ended up, I got my degree in graphic design, which is kind of how you know i have skills to be a graphic designer poster designer and so forth um on some of the projects i've been involved with film wise um but um i just i planned on being a uh a graphic designer uh, when i was going to graduate college and just do that for a career but 
uh, I believe it was going into my junior year of college, I saw something online that said, make money acting. <laughs> and most times I would say for people to avoid those things, <laughs> but um, I actually had always found it interesting as I had some family friends that did a lot of plays and commercials and print ads and stuff. And I always thought it was kind of a fun thing that they did and I had interest in it. And so I just decided to answer this ad and I actually did not hear anything back that summer at all. Um, so I completely forgot about it. And then about a year later, where where did you find this ad? Sure, yeah. I, I grew up in Council Bluffs, Iowa, and I went just across the river to Omaha, Nebraska to Creighton University for school. So I was just 15 minutes from where I grew up, and that's where I was studying graphic design. So I was still back in Omaha, Nebraska, basically my home. I kind of claim both Council Bluffs, Iowa, and Omaha, Nebraska is home. So, uh, yeah, that's where I was. I don't remember what site I was on or how I stumbled across this random random thing but i saw something that said make money acting and that <laughs> changed it for me and that i did look it up and then uh, as i mentioned i had forgot about it but a year later i got a call out of the blue to which i answered the phone call and they're like hey we want you to come to this commercial audition i actually at the time thought i was getting pranked or scammed or something i even said to my roommates i think i'm getting a, you know a fake phone call here they want me to come to a commercial audition but I decided I was going to go and give it a chance. So I go, and it looks like this kind of warehouse that I end up showing up at. I'm kind of getting anxious at this point. I'm like, oh, no, what am I getting myself into? But I end up going, uh, and it was for Windstream Communications, and I end up booking this first commercial audition I went on. Wow. Um, and uh, usually when you get on set, people are super interesting because they come from all over. They're artists, so they got fun stories. They're cool people. and uh, that was my experience there, and I got paid for the day, which I wasn't used to doing something creative like that and getting paid. I think I made like 900 for my for that first commercial, which is nothing in comparison to like a big national commercial that you might see, like you know something like Domino's or Burger King or some big company like that runs nationwide. But it was nice for me as a college student to make 900 for this thing and. Plus, they had food on set. So I was like, I'm sold. I want to know more about this. Where do I get more crafty? Right, exactly. Crafty is the best place on set. But I was still going into my senior year, and I still had plans to be a designer. So I just kind of went, kept going with my plans. But after I graduated, there was more interest in doing it as a hobby. And I kept doing it as a hobby for a little while. And I was working full-time as a web designer at the Archdiocese of Omaha at that time. But... I just, the, my interest in it kept growing and growing. I'd been, you know, I got bit by the acting bug. So I just started getting involved with everything I could as far as like learning. You know, I started doing, working on sets with my friend Mark Longbreak in Omaha, who runs the Omaha Film Festival, getting on some sets with him and Derek Baker who, back in Omaha, who had the Omaha Film Group at the time. And I got highly involved with that and any short films, any I got involved in a play just as much as I could get my hands on my interest started growing and I was reading the book the artist's way at the time by Julia Cameron I don't know if you're familiar but it's a 12-week seminar that's goal is to help you improve your acting or not acting so your your creativity improve your creativity in whatever discipline that that might be for you um, and uh, I was doing it and it really helped me connect to God, really. And 
I felt eventually felt God calling me to move to Los Angeles to pursue acting professionally. And that's when my professional career as an actor just started falling into place. Before I even moved, I booked a, a SAG after job back in Omaha called April Showers, where I got to work opposite Tom Arnold. It made wow. me SAG eligible before I even moved to LA. Another job that was a union job in Council Bluffs, Iowa, I booked before I even left. And like, these never happened in Iowa or, or Nebraska. Like my whole life growing up, I never knew about any of these things. This doesn't happen to anyone. <laughs> yeah. So it's like once I, you know, made that decision, things fell into place and I met three people that wanted to move to LA with me. So I had some friends to plan all this with and to travel with. And, and that film with Tom Arnold, the filmmakers came from LA. So when we finally got out there, we had friends there that ushered us in and kind of showed us the ropes. So, you know, and then it's just been a process since then. I even got to come back to Council Bluffs when I moved out to L.A. to film a film called Lucky with Colin Hanks uh, shortly after I moved out there. So, you know, it was uh, it's it's been a, a real journey and I'm very thankful for for all of it. You know, that's the beginnings of how it all happened. <laughs> <laughs> and then while you're working your way up the acting chain, uh, how do you squeeze in becoming a poster designer or a graphic designer or website designer? Well, that answer isn't going to be the same for every particular gig because they might come at you all sorts of different ways. But being as I had a background in graphic and web design, I still have a graphic and web design business. And it's been like my wait, my waiting table business. You know, a lot of actors have to have another way to make money. It's uh, usually only about something like 5% or less of actors can make a living solely off their acting. So it's it's been really a great skill for me to have. And I encourage, I, I, tr I try to be very transparent with young actors when they're coming up and saying it's not a bad thing to have another skill from my experience, because uh, I just don't think, I think a lot of people come to Hollywood and they get burned out because waiting tables can be very hard. It's You can make some good money. I think that you can also get burned out. If it's some people that lifestyle fits them well, I like to go to bed early and get up early. So like working bars and like being up late, it doesn't it doesn't work well for me. Some people it does. They love that. But I'm thankful for having this skill that I can take with me anywhere. I can travel with my computer, do design anywhere for my clients, anywhere. But I have had some of my poster gigs that I've designed for being in the film. And I offer, hey, I'll design our poster for us. Been commissioned by filmmakers just by meeting them along the way. And then they know that I do that kind of thing. So they might commission me to design their poster. I did animation for a gig that I was in for. It was very rudimentary, so don't don't get the idea that I'm like a great animator. <laughs> animation is hard, and I respect animators so much. So much work goes into, you know, it's just seconds of animation. There's like hours upon hours of, of work that goes into it. You know, I've, I've been, this month marks five years in Atlanta, and I was in L.A. for over six years before I moved here, and I was in Omaha doing it for, I think that first thing I booked would have been in 2005. So I've been doing it overall for 15 years, and you just, you meet people along the way. You know, you meet people along the way that when they know what you do, they might hire you for a specific skill, uh, whether it be acting, graphic design, uh, web design, uh, you name it. You know, I've been, as you mentioned before, a PA. I've, I've been a location scout before. I've uh, been transpo where I've driven other actors. I've helped produce in some fashion. I've, I've written and directed like smaller stuff of my own before, not on big, in big capacities, but 
been second AC. I've been, uh, I've edited people's reels. I've never really edited a big film, just some of my own stuff, but just done a lot of different things in different ways, just by the sheer sake of I'm an artist and I like art and I like uh, learning. I like helping people. So just throwing my hat in the ring uh, however I can and learning however much I can. It's kind of how I've, you know, just experienced all those things. Even if they say, can you do this? I'm like, sure, <laughs> I'll figure it out. <laughs> you know, I think there's something to be said about willing to just jump into something and um, knowing that you're resourceful and, and being able to figure it out on your own or be able to ask somebody else that you know that's done what you need to do and learn learn how to do it as quick as you can, you know? Oh, totally, completely. And so you went from Omaha, Nebraska to L.A. to Atlanta to mm-hmm. working not quite in space, but on Space Command. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least I don't know. Maybe you, maybe they did shoot you into space for part of it. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's low budget, so not yet. Hopefully in the later episodes we'll actually get to go to space. How cool would that be? But you had a reoccurring character on Space Command. Correct. And so tell us what it was like to work on Space Command. Well, one, without going into space, like how are they setting up the sets and working with that sort of thing? Yeah, Space Command was, it's a, it's a cool project to have been a part of. It's a very independently made project at this point, sci-fi series, that I actually won a talent search to be a part of. Wow. They, they did a worldwide talent search uh, years ago for two different roles, one for a role for Cadet Bradbury and one for a role of Commander Kemmer. And at the time, it was just going to be one feature film. But the creator, Mark Zickery, he's written for all the major networks and in, in many series, Deep Space Nine. He's done a little bit uh, with some sliders uh, just to write for Real Ghostbusters. He started in animation uh, writing for that as well. But he and his wife are, have written for all the major networks. And so he has, just has big story ideas in his mind. So what started off as one feature film grew to two grew to four, and then grew to six two-hour length <laughs> scripts. So it's like we essentially have uh, our first season of Space Command, and the role of Cadet Bradbury comes in in like the fourth script. So uh, he liked my audition so much that he actually wrote me in at the beginning as Lieutenant Bradbury, who is the great-grandfather of Cadet Bradbury. So in the series, I actually played my own great-grandfather, Oh wow! Uh, depending on where you're at in the timeline of things. And to this point, uh, we've filmed the first three hours of it. The pilot episode, the first hour, is actually on his YouTube channel uh, right now as we try and uh, get the word out about it. He has His YouTube channel is Mr. Sci-Fi. We have about 823,000 views on it, so we're on our way to a million, which we're pushing for that number. And I believe it's actively being pitched to Amazon, last I, I heard. But in the meantime, we continue to raise funds uh, through our fans. And so we just recently did a Kickstarter campaign where we raised enough to finish the fourth hour. So um, I did talk to Mark um, a couple days ago, and he was checking in on my availability in the next uh, couple months to see if we can get back to filming. So I would fly back to L.A., not space, (laughs) (laughs) not this one. We filmed just outside of L.A. in a, a warehouse that all of our studios set up in down there so excited to get back doing that and um yeah just moving moving forward with that 
it's really cool to see what they do with the bridge like, on the ship that I fly. I'm our pilot. Just stepping on that for the first time was like, wow, you guys, this looks incredible. And I think as you guys, uh, anybody that wants to check it out on Mr. Sci-Fi's YouTube channel, you can see how, how amazing they did. And it was all crowdsourced. There were a few people that wanted to invest. And Mark's whole idea is investors will get any of his profits from the first I don't know if it's first two episodes or first episode. I don't you know if anybody was interested, they could talk to him. But both the investors and the um, the crowdfunding is what's got us the first four hours that we're going to be completing making here soon. And we're just pitching it. But as long as the fans are interested, we'll keep doing it that way unless we get big budget funding. Part of his reason for doing that to begin with is he... He didn't want uh, to lose his creative control, and sometimes that happens in dealing with big studios. So he really does know his sci-fi like to a T. So he knows what interests fans, like uh, fans that have been around for a while and appreciate uh, good sci-fi. So he wanted to make sure that he was telling stories that were going to be for the fans. And our whole thing is creating a hopeful vision of the future because there's so many sci-fi shows that were coming out like a dystopian future so we're trying to create a positive vision of the future and doesn't mean that we don't run into obstacles and have our own hardships and stuff but that's our our goal with with the show and with that we'll go ahead and pull a 180 going from sci-fi project to a more realistic project of working on mind hunter which is mm. an incredible mm-hmm. series. Tell us a little bit about the series and then also go into what you got to do on the project. Yeah, Mindhunter is one of Netflix's top shows. It's a series that follows um, two FBI agents, and it's based off of a real events where two FBI agents really started essentially hunting the minds of serial killers, trying to understand their minds and trying to see if they could figure out their patterns and characterize them so that they could try and use those same patterns and characterizations for uh, live cases in the field to see if they could prevent more serial killers from from doing uh, what they had been doing. So it's really intriguing because they interview people like Charles Manson and so forth. And the actors that they get to play these serial killers, like these real people, they cast really well. And the actors they just kill it. No pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. nice. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. They, they just do a fantastic job. And there's comparisons on YouTube about the actor playing the role right up next to the actual person. And they really line up a lot of times. So great show on Netflix. I got to play, and this is interesting since I'm based in Atlanta, the show films up in Pittsburgh and The storyline in the second season of Mindhunter, which I was in, three different episodes, follows the Atlanta child murders uh, that really happened. And I was going up to Pittsburgh to film the season that took place in Atlanta. (laughs) So (laughs) I played a recruit, an uh, Atlanta police recruit because they needed to bring in some recruits to help them uh, in their search for these missing boys, although the recruits themselves weren't uh, highly um, trained. So it actually kind of ended up uh, causing some issues in, in the whole process. But that was a fun, fun role to go up there and work with um, 
you know, Holt McElhaney and uh, Jonathan Groff, uh, very kind, giving actors. And it was uh, just a blessing to be a part of that project. Um, I had been auditioning for that show since uh, the pilot episode. So I think I auditioned like five or six times before I booked that uh, role that I did. And I remember getting the email from my agent saying like, you booked this role. It's at least one day, possibly more. And it ended up being uh, several episodes, uh, which was awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. And then another project that I wanted to just touch a little bit on that I recently got to watch (laughs) that the only reason I watched it is because I listened to a podcast called How Did This Get Made? Which (laughs) they, they say that they watch bad movies. This wasn't a bad movie. I love this movie. <laughs> so it was a great movie. Um, but Money Plane. I thought it was a fun movie. Yeah, Money Plane. Just because I just recently watched it, it's got Kelsey Grammer in it, which was mm-hmm. phenomenal. His acting was great. I loved his role. And you got to work as it was one of the flight attendants, right? Correct. Yeah, that was a, a fun one. So the movie itself is described as a bulletproof casino in the sky. It's a heist movie. Uh, with a bunch of like shady characters on board this plane. And in my audition scenario, one of the beautiful female flight attendants comes up and talks to these guys and they're all about her. And then it comes to me and they're obviously would rather have the beautiful female flight attendant. (laughs) So it wasn't listed in the character description, but I decided if I made him more effeminate, these guys would hate me even more. Because they're like, you know, very chauvinistic, all about like uh, the sexy flight attendant. So I made the choice to go flamboyant with this flight attendant and come to find out that helped me uh, to get the role. Because, it, I mean, it wasn't described that way. I just made a, a bold choice and they loved it. Because I booked it off tape, a taped audition. So I didn't meet the producer until I got on set, writer-producer. And he told me, oh, when he first came up to me, he said, I knew I wanted to book you immediately when I saw your audition, <laughs> which was really cool. Wow, that that yeah. is flattering. Yeah, it was. And you have another project that just recently came out called In Other Words. Yeah, yeah. In other words, I'm really excited for everybody that watches it. It's just it's a really fun movie. It's a romantic comedy. Uh, I get to play the lead role in that film. It's got Chris Kattan in it. Uh, Eddie Ganem, she was in a series regular on Devious Maids. It's got Natasha Esca, who was in the last season of Narcos Mexico. Just a phenomenal cast. And in the story, uh, I play a geeky app developer who has a difficult time talking to women. So I develop an app that finally connects me with a woman. Only problem is she doesn't speak any English. She only speaks Spanish. (laughs) It's a lot of fun. Um, I knew when I read the script and I was laughing out loud that we had a really good project on our hands. And the the script itself was just a gift from God. It was a literal email in my inbox that I almost deleted. The, The subject line said, lead role in a feature film. This never happens. And then I opened it up thinking it was some sort of spam. But it said, hey, Brian, you were referred to us by... Sandra Avila, who was a producer I had worked with four years ago on a pilot called Table Manners. On that um, pilot, I, I had a character that I acted in, you know, in the story, but I also volunteered to take behind the scenes photos and to run their social media. Uh, you know, another thing where I was talking about just getting in, jumping in, helping out however I can. And how it came back to help me is this producer saw me as like, you know, 
that tech guy that just being able to do all these different kinds of things. So when she was friends with the filmmakers of, in other words, um, Patrick Perez and Christina Nava, and when she read the script, she thought of me instantly and referred me to these guys. So I got this email and they said, we'd love to talk to you about it. I, uh, I Skyped with them a couple times. They wanted me to put myself on tape for their executive producer to just show them, as I, I was told, to show them that I could act. Shortly thereafter, I was offered the role. And interestingly, they flew me back to L.A. to film this. So it was like I left L.A. And then out of all the actors they could have picked in L.A., they picked <laughs> me in Atlanta to come back to L.A. to film this role that was like a dream role for me especially with my background in web and graphic design and being kind of techie and, and getting nervous around beautiful women. I, <laughs> I, that's, I, I joke about that. I'm like, how did they, I have no idea how they picked me to play this geeky app developer who gets nervous around beautiful women. I, I don't get it. Typecasting. Oh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> but it was such a special role. It was 22 days. Uh, we got to film on it. 11 of which were in this, um, mansion that overlooked uh the ocean uh in malibu at the top of this hill it was just a such a such a gift and you know the script was great to begin with but then when we they cast it really well and once we got everybody on set we just took it to another level and chris Catan is just a comedic genius Uh, there was times when i was literally pinching myself (laughs) when he was acting trying not to break character you know like don't ruin this take don't ruin this take it was such a blessing and Uh, I think audiences are really going to enjoy it. It's got a lot of laughs. It's got a lot of heart. It's now available on pretty much any streaming service that you can rent a movie. It's also on various cable channels and on demand. So it's in a lot of different places that you can rent it and view it and enjoy it. Uh, I think people need some, some joy and laughter in their lives at this time right now. So I'm happy that we can bring that to them and bring it right into their homes so and we will share links for all of that stuff and also awesome we will share links for your social medias what are your social medias brian uh well my facebook actor page is actor brian mcclure um you can find me on both twitter and instagram at brian mcclure and this is brian with a y so that's b-r-y-a-n-m-c-c-l-u-r-e in other words movie is on instagram at in other words movie space command is on instagram at space command series it's also on on facebook as well they have uh, a group and a, a page that, that you can join and as i mentioned the um the youtube channel for mr sci-fi you can go check out our our pilot episode and see why we're getting so close to a million views on it and that's got i believe it's got a 95 percent thumbs up rating oh, wow. so people are really enjoying it yeah. That's incredible. You've had quite a career, too. That's it's, I've been blessed. I've been thankful. God has definitely been opening some doors for me to step through, but it's not without hard work yeah. as well. Like I've been taking classes for a very long time and I go to networking groups and I just meet people and you know, like I've I've volunteered on how, I don't know how many projects, you know, like to take those photos, you know, I I volunteered my time. I don't know how many student projects I've acted in. I've I just put in a lot of time like developing my own craft and like helping other people out and people, good people don't forget that. You know, there are some people that you don't hear from again when you volunteer time, but a lot of people are like, man, that guy was a hard worker. That guy did really helped us out. That guy was a nice person to have on set and all those things play into it, you know? 
you know, I just like people. I like serving people. So it's anytime I get to be on set and just show up and do my best work and help the, the whole production, it's a, it's an honor to be there. Like to be an actor, to be in the entertainment industry is a, it's a real pleasure. Like it's, it's a blessing. We could be, you know, working a job that we hate and it's, this is, we get to play. Like this is so much fun. So we're going to go ahead and get things wrapped up then. Thank you listeners for joining us this week and listening to our wonderful episode. Brian, thanks for joining us. And we will be back next week with another episode of the above average Joe show. Yeah. Thanks guys. Thanks for joining us. Thank you again to our special guest, Brian McClure. Be sure to check out our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitters, and look us up on Spotify, Stitcher, and iTunes. You can also check out another podcast I co-host, The Extra Unordinary, and other great media content by Moon Possum Productions at moonpossum.com.